Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Pentecost Sunday. We're glad that you guys are here. If you'd stand with me as we open up our Bibles, we'll get to that just in one second. So glad that you're here. Whatever device you're streaming by, thank you so much for being a part of this. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, our hearts are bowed to you as we stand in your presence. We're so grateful for the Holy Spirit in our lives. Today we celebrate that and we recognize it. Father, be with us, illuminate our hearts, make us like you, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone says, amen, amen. You may be seated. Go ahead and wave at your neighbor. Let them know that you're glad that they're here. Once again, thank you by whatever device you're streaming by and being a part of our service today. Right about now, our kids are coming back from kids camp. There was about 140 or so, including adults, that went out and we had a ball. We had a blast. Like I said, I'm living on caffeine and sugar right now. So I'm not going to lie. I know it's not very healthy, but that's going to get me through for today. And they're coming back, and we had all kinds of fun. And I just want to let you know, next week when they show a video, I did not fall. It was an uncalculated dismount, okay? I'm just <laughs> prefacing it. So whenever you see that, you have to come. But if, they, if that happens to make it, I just calculated a dismount really, really wrong. And it looks like I fell, but it's okay. So... We, we, we wanted to let you know that. Today is Pentecost Sunday, and we want to let you guys know that we believe in the Holy Spirit around here, don't we? That it is the Holy Spirit comforts us and guides us and directs us and fills us with the prayer languages and empowers us to be the witnesses that we need to be for Jesus Christ. Right? That doesn't mean just by vocals, by my, by my words, but my life. That means I can make it through some things I otherwise wouldn't be able to make it through. I'd be able to make it, uh, make it in some situations that people might say, hey, are you ready to give up? And you can say, no, we have the Holy Spirit in our life. It empowers us and guides us and leads us and directs us. And I'm going to calm down a little bit. But we believe in it. So uh, we're, we're grateful for that and we recognize that. Today we are going to finish our series Good With Different as we land on Daniel for the final time. Now there's no way you can preach a series on Daniel in three weeks. It's just impossible. So we've took glimpses out of his life, two from the very beginning, and today we're going to go from Daniel chapter 6. So we'll be in there a majority of the day. But before we get there, what I like to do, particularly in this service and this series that we're going, is, is solidify the fact that matriarchs and patriarchs of the Bible, they're very important people, and God used them in their era and their time to do amazing things, and he wants to do the same thing with us. Today we celebrate Pentecost Sunday. Think about this. Think of all of the people like Daniel and Jonah and people like King David that we read about and all the amazing things that they did. And the Ark of the Covenant which housed the Spirit of God and a jar of manna and Aaron's budded staff. And when people would open it, bad things would happen to them if they opened it and they weren't supposed to. Uzzah was reached out and steadied the ark and he dropped dead at one point because the Spirit of God was meant to, to be honored and to be cherished and to be loved. Can you think if they experienced what we experienced after seeing all that stuff that happened and then they think to themselves, that Spirit of God is going to live in a person? Oh yeah, it's called Pentecost Sunday, Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit baptizes us and makes us even more like Christ and we need that. 
So as we look at matriarchs and patriarchs, these heroes and heroines of the Bible, we ask ourselves, can we be like that? Well, I think if we go in and want to be a hero, I think we better back off from that. But can God use us? The answer is yes, he can. These were normal people. Psalms 37 chapter, or uh, Psalms chapter 37 verses 32 and 33. The wicked watches for the righteous and seeks to put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let him be condemned when he is brought to trial. And today as we study Daniel, we study a trial in his life where he was found guilty or he was found innocent. And Daniel even mentions those same words. Now, I want to mention that Daniel here is about 80 years old is what scholars think. So it's very important to realize that he has kept the same pattern all of his life. When he first started and he was selected out in Daniel chapter 1 and chosen, he was a certain way. And then we see in Daniel chapter 6, some 60 years later or so, that he was the same way. But this theme, can we really become what God has called us to become? As we read in the Bible and we know that God was on their side, will he be on our side? Are we to do what they are to do? Paul echoes this when he's writing to the Philippians in chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. And he says, do all things without grumbling or um, disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God. And what he's writing is there's a standard of life that we need to try our best to live up to. Now, we're all imperfect, amen? We're all imperfect, but there's a standard of life that we must be willing to set before us and say this glorious cross of Jesus Christ that we get to proclaim, that we are no longer who we were, but we're somebody new in Christ Jesus. There's a standard of living that goes along with that through my words, through the passion that I live my life for Jesus Christ and him alone. Again, he writes... Or excuse me, first, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12, we see the Apostle Peter echo this again. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. And we see that Peter writes the same thing. Not that people may speak against you, but when they do. That's a hard thing to swallow, isn't it? Knowing that you're trying to live the best you can for Christ, and people are still going to speak evil of you. People are still going to say things that they don't need to say. Peter didn't say it may happen. He said when they do. Now, when he's talking about the Gentiles here, he's talking about heathens. He's talking about people who don't honor God, who don't want to be around God. He was looking at some, some groups, and he's saying, listen, whenever you're around those type of people, there's a certain matter of conduct that you must have. Now, that doesn't mean we can be something separate in the dark. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is that we recognize that the Spirit of God rests upon us, and we are not our own, and we are bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So we walk around with that passion in our hearts and say, we must live a separate way. We have to be good with different. So what we're studying in Daniel today is not just something that was made for the old, but we see it as it transcends through the entire Bible from Old Testament to New Testament. That it's not only something that we must do, but it's something that we strive for. That God can use us as he used Daniel. That God can use us to reach our error, to reach our generation. And we don't have to just suffice to the things of the culture, but we can fight against it for the glorious purpose of Jesus Christ. And we can do that in the right spirit and humility. Can I get an amen? amen. You guys are awful quiet on me here. Come on now. Shout me down this morning. Help me out. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, yeah. Okay? God's in the house this morning. Amen?
Amen. Now, as we look into Scripture, let's do a little bit of background. So we see in Daniel chapter 1, we see that Daniel's picked out, and we know that. He's picked out. They see something special in him amongst other people, and they say, you're the chosen, and you're going to live in the king's palace. That's where he makes that declaration that I will not choose to, I choose not to defile myself. I know all this stuff is offered to me, but I'm still not going to defile myself. In Daniel chapter 2, we see that he interprets one of his first dreams that we have in recorded Scripture. And then as he, as he interprets it, he's given prestige, he's given gifts, and he's not concerned with that. And at the end, he says, hey, I've got my three amigos with me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I want them to help me lead. And the king says, absolutely. Now, we know that he's up underneath the lead of Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar is kind of flaky, okay? If you read the book, it says a lot of times he gets angry and furious. He gets angry and furious a lot, okay, if you read that. So he's kind of that type of, that type of guy, and he knows he can do it. And then in chapter 3, we see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They face the fiery, the fiery furnace. They will not bow down to an idol. They will not bow down to anything but Jehovah, but God. That's the only God that they'll bow down to. And, of course, they, they are forced into a fiery furnace. And if you know that story, they come out. They don't smell like fire. They're not hurt. They're not scorched. It's an amazing thing that God does. And Nebuchadnezzar goes wild. Praise be to God. And he goes on and on and on. But he's still not really where he needs to be is the interesting thing. Now, why would I share this with you? Because as we look at Daniel's life, it's interesting to look at everything that he's been through. Have you guys ever wondered this? Where was Daniel when the kids faced the fiery furnace? Have you ever wondered that? I was, I was wondering that. There's a couple different scholarly opinions on that. One is that he, in the, in the back part of, or the ending part of chapter 2, it says he was now a part of the king's palace. So he's a part of that uh, royal family, if you will. And they didn't bow, so maybe Daniel didn't have to bow, make up his decision whether he was going to bow or not bow. He just didn't have to bow. Or maybe he was out of town taking care of some business, and this kind of sprang up, and before he knew it, uh, before the, the Hebrew children knew it, they were facing the fiery furnace. So there's a couple different reasons why it could have been, but nonetheless, Daniel wasn't there. But don't think he didn't know about it, because it was his friends. And then you, you see in chapter 4, we go to Nebuchadnezzar now, King Nebuchadnezzar. Has, um, has, has gotten extremely prideful. And he's talking to Daniel, and he calls Daniel back again to interpret a dream. And King Nebuchadnezzar's like, now, Daniel, don't get nervous. This is about my enemies. And um, he looks at King Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, this is not about your enemies. This is about you. And what the dream was is there's this tall tree that provided shelter for a lot of animals and provided food and that was big and, and boisterous and, and these type of things that, that covered a lot of territory. And Daniel said, King, this, this represents you. In the dream, it said that it's going to cut it to the stump and let it fall. And he looked at King Nebuchadnezzar and he said, unless you get your pride and arrogance straightened out and you repent before the Lord, you will lose everything that you have. Twelve months later, Scripture says he's out on the balcony of his palace looking over Babylon, and he says this, is this, this is King Nebuchadnezzar, is, this, um, is not this great Babylon which I have built with my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? Oh, my goodness. And Scripture says no quicker did that come off his lips than God sent him to do exactly what the dream had told him he was going to do. And in that dream, he was going to be pushed out away from people. He was going to eat grass like oxen. 
His nails would grow long like talons, and he'd have almost like feathers on him. And basically, he would lose his mind and live like an animal for a certain amount of time. And that's exactly what happened. And then you read the end of chapter 4, and all of a sudden, which to me is, shows the true sign of repentance, because after that, and he gets his mind back, he comes back to the kingdom. God restores him to an even higher position, but it's in his wordings when he recognizes one thing, that God is sovereign and he's not. And that's really what salvation is about. That I'm not God, you're God, and I'm not God, and I need Jesus Christ. And he finally came to that conclusion. Then we read in chapter 5 where Nebuchadnezzar has passed away, and now his son, Belshazzar, is now, now the king. And whenever Nebuchadnezzar took over Jerusalem, he took some goblets and some different things out of the temple. But he took a gold and silver goblets that were, um, represent, that were used to honor God. And at a feast that Belshazzar was, was having, he began to dishonor God. So he's there with a thousand of his lords or so. He has their wives plus his wives plus all these concubines. He gets drunk and he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take those goblets I'm going to drink out of it. And what that represented was extreme dishonor to God. Because he, he would have heard the stories about how his dad dishonored God and what happened to him. But he, he threw caution in the wind and thought he was bigger than God. You know, that's never a good idea, is it? So all of a sudden, homeboy's drinking some wine, thinking everything's okay, he's the man. A finger shows up and writes on the plaster of the walls what the Word of God says. Can you imagine that? So here's homeboy, Belshazzar, he's the man. He's throwing a party, everybody's looking towards him, and it says that he turns sheet white, man, he just turns pale. It says that he's so scared that his knees are knocking together. That is scared, okay, when people can hear your knees knocking together. I mean, the environment in the room changes. And he looks up and he brings all these enchanters and magician, uh, magicians and all these different people and he says, I want you to interpret what's on the wall. None of them can do it. He's talking with his lords and his wife overhears him talk. You know, it's a good thing to pay attention to your wife, isn't it? Very smart men do that. Dumb men do not. Just clue, clue you in. Pay attention to your wife. Pay attention to your wife. She comes in and she goes, Oh, king, live forever. I'm still working on that with my wife. I haven't got there yet. Haven't I really, you know, it'd be, you know, oh Lord, live forever. Just she she stonewalls me every time. I don't know what the deal is. So she comes in and she addresses the king and she's the queen and she says, There's this guy named Daniel you don't know about. Or if you do, you've forgotten about him. So now we see Daniel in a different place in his life. Here he was leading all these provinces and doing all these things, and all of a sudden the son of Nebuchadnezzar shows up and he's king, and it seems like Daniel's been forgotten. And the, king walk, and the queen walks in and says, you need to get Daniel. He can interpret what's on the wall. And the king makes a big decree. Belshazzar makes a big decree. He goes, whoever can interpret this, I'll give them a, a nice robe and a gold chain, and they'll be third in command over everything. And we see classic Daniel show up. King Belshazzar looks at him and says, hey, can you interpret this? He goes, I can. He goes, but this is what I want. I want you to keep the gold chains. I want, to keep, I want you to keep the rewards and your positions and give them to somebody else because I'm not interested in them. That stuff, I don't want any part of it. He said, I will interpret what's on the wall, though. And he begins to interpret on the wall, and just, just to make it easy, he begins to say, listen, God has numbered your days. He said, the next thing that the finger wrote is that you've been placed on a scale, and it looks like you're lacking and you're wanting. And then he finally gets to the third part, and he said, listen, the Medes and the Persians are about to move in, and they're going to take over this empire, and you're going to lose it. And what he was saying is, listen, you defiled God. You dishonored God, and you knew that you shouldn't have done that, and it's going to cost you. And that night he dies. 
takes over by Darius. Darius is king. He's, he's Darius the Mede. So now he has control of what we now know as Babylon, Babylon and, and the Chaldeans from, from chapter 1. And he's in control of all of that. And that's where we see that Daniel now at 80 years old is called on to again. Because remember, Belshazzar, Belshazzar dies. Daniel is third in command. So it's very natural that whenever Darius takes over, he looks towards Daniel. I mean, all this stuff is happening pretty quick from chapter 5 to chapter 6. It's not very long until Daniel, classic Daniel, begins to build confidence and trust. And that's where we'll pick up if we pick up in chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Let me get my notes open here. Chapter 6, verse 3 and 4. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all other high officials. The satraps, because of an excellent spirit, was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Okay, get that. He'd, he'd, he'd done so much honor, the king was like, you're the man, you're going to run it, okay? Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find grounds for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could not find no ground for, uh, they could not find no ground for complaint or any fault because he, because he was faithful and no error was found in him. Very important. They tried to find something that was around him and something that was in him and couldn't find either one. Now, this is very important because Daniel faced some things that you and I will face as we want to impact our culture. First of all, I want to take some weights off of us. What we're not responsible for is the results. Many times we witness or we tell people about Christ. And have you ever walked away and thought, man, I could have said that better? Or, or maybe they get very angry and nasty with you and you're like, oh, maybe it was the wrong time or I did it wrong. Listen, we've got to make room for the grace of God, that the grace will help us out. We don't always have the right words. That's the miracle. We don't always know the exact right time, but our heart's in the right place, and we're wanting to be used by God, and we go in there with the right love and the right attitude and allow God to let us influence the situation. If you look at Daniel, he's 80 years old. He's interpreted multiple, multiple dreams. God used him in mighty ways. People said there was no other man like Daniel. If you look at Daniel, he was saying, listen, this guy is distinguished. He is, he is none like nobody else, that type of thing. But yet he still wasn't able to change his culture. He was just able to influence it. And we think if we don't change something immediately, then maybe we've done something wrong. Christ is the only one who can change a heart. He's the only one that can save anybody. All he does is allow us to be the vessel that he uses to influence. But we have to make up our mind that if we're going to influence and we're going to be good with different, there's some more things that we have to have in our life. And I love choosing this as we, we choose this last glimpse to look at Daniel because he's 80 years old and we see that he's still the same person. But here's some things that I want to I just briefly talk about that we, we see that he fought. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, it says, They sought to find. Something that we must know is people are looking at us. Now, in this situation, people in our culture are looking at us. In this situation, people are looking at Daniel and, and, and trying to bring evil his way. Unfortunately, as, we, as, as, as culture changes and we become a post-Christian -post nation... People are moving further away. We will encounter this more and more. Well, people will seek to do evil to the church, unfortunately. Scripture says the church will wax worse and worse, and people will be looking at us and looking for those opportunities. And unfortunately, because the church is, has many moral failures, it's not as hard to do as we'd like it to be able to do. Don't shut me down now. I know this is rough. 
But people are looking at us and they're looking at Daniel and they're trying to find something wrong with him. They're seeking it out. I mean, think about that. They sought out bad. And when's the last time you looked at somebody and your mission for the day was to find something wrong with them? It's not something that comes natural. I mean, you've got to have a different spirit pushing you to do that kind of stuff. And here, unfortunately, Daniel's encountering that. Why? Because the Satan, our enemy, the world, our flesh does not want us to influence culture. It does not want us to be good with different. It wants us to hop on the ship and just float down river and be like everybody else and we're all happy and we're all butterflies or whatever, you know? And that's not what God is saying to do. He's called a mandate and people are looking. Now this is the good news. Is everybody who's looking at you doesn't mean you evil. Some people are looking at you and they're, and they're gaining strength and inspiration from you. They're sitting back saying, if you can do it, well, that, that inspires me. I think I can do it as well too. But nonetheless, they're still looking. They're gaining that inspiration. They're gaining that from us. The next thing that I see that Daniel had to fight is Daniel fought jealousy. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for a complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. They were jealous of his position. They were jealous of what God had given him. Why were they jealous? Because where Daniel wanted the influence from God to influence his culture to draw people unto God, it's been the same story throughout history, the Old Testament, New Testament, that all men might come to God and surrender their life. That's what Daniel wanted. That's the reason why he could look at it and say, I don't want the gold chains. I don't want the position. I don't want that kind of stuff. Listen, this thing that God is doing through me and in me is way more important than what's around me. And if we're going to influence culture, that's where we've got to get to. Is listen, this stuff that's around that pulls at us at our attention is not as important as what God is doing in me and what God wants to do through me. But I have to surrender. And people are going to be jealous of that because you have the Holy Spirit working in your life. Doors are going to be open. Favor is going to be shown. They don't think you're going to be deserving of it. And they're going to want the favor that God places on our life for selfish, controlling gain. That's what they're going to want. These satraps, so what, what had happened in this, as we read this scripture, we see that the beginning of chapter 6 is Daniel goes up underneath Darius, and he appoints 120 satraps and three commissioners, and Daniel's one of the three that looks over the 120. Daniel looks up, and two commissioners and all the satraps want him dead. But, the, but, but King Darius believed in him so much. He believed in him so much and gave him that position but he didn't come without jealousy. They wanted to devise a plan, and they went to the king, and they said, now, let's create this law, King Darius, that for the next 30 days, nobody can bow down to you, or nobody can bow down or praise anybody but you. And if somebody does that, then, they've, then they're thrown into the lion's den. King Darius said, that's great, let's do that. Well, they knew that, that Daniel was going to pray. Can you imagine living a Christian life where people can depend on you to pray? That's where it was with Daniel. And not just anybody, not just people in the church that knew him, but it was people who were heathens. Now, don't go bother him at this time, this time, and this time, because homeboy's going to be praying. Very, very, very interesting there. But they devise a plan, and of course, they catch him praying, and they go back and tell King Darius, hey, Daniel's praying. Now, you remember that you made this law, and we have to send him to the lion's den. And it's interesting there because of jealousy, because they want his position. They want the favor that God has put on his life. For some reason, everywhere he goes, God is doing something and using him in his culture, but he has to be open. And you and I have to be ready for jealousy. 
This is the hard thing about jealousy is I cannot respond with what stirs up jealousy in other people's life. Some things that stir up jealousy in other people's life are anger, fear, embarrassment, okay? Many, many times jealousy is stirred up by those actions. And whenever somebody's jealous against me, if I'm not prepared and guarded, then I respond back in anger, and I can't do that. You can't fight fire with fire, so to speak. Not, not, not how it happens in Scripture. If somebody's angry, I need to go back in love. That doesn't mean I just have to sit back and take a beating. Hear me out on this. But I have to be willing to hear what God is saying. And there will be people who will be jealous because God's going to use you in your culture, use you in your situation. You're going to have platforms that they don't have. You're going to have resources that they don't have. But the reason why we have them is to expand the kingdom of God. Many of you business owners out there, many of you people who have built practices, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You built it from nothing to something. And people, they slander you and they do these different things, which is really the third thing that Daniel runs into is slander. People talking about him and making up evil things about him. And you and I, that's one of the things that we're going to face is that slander in our life. We're going to face people making up bad things against us and we have to keep our mouth shut and know that God has our back. And slander is difficult, especially when you know that it's a lie. Especially when you know that people are making up out of hatred and anger. And I want to clue us in on some stuff here. So slander, Deuteronomy 6 and 4, no complaint or any fault. They looked at him, and they couldn't find anything in his life. They found no fault, so now they're going to start making something up. They said, you know what? The way to get after him is the way to get after him is go to his God. Do never, never go toe-to-toe with God. It's always a bad idea. But these guys thought it was a good idea. But this is the good news. If people in the culture go toe-to-toe with our God, he can handle himself. We don't have to worry about it. Well, they said things about me. Peter said, don't be surprised when evildoers say bad things about you because it's going to happen. Because whenever God is using you and we're advancing the kingdom of God and he's doing things in our life, we can expect resistance. And Daniel's seeing that. But let me, let me, let me remove some camouflage. In Daniel chapter 6, verse 13, they're fixing to take Daniel to the lion's den. And they're having a conversation with Darius. And they say, then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah... You see the separation there? See, slander always happens with separation too. Now, remember King Darius, he's not one of us. He's that exile from Judah, and and we don't really like him. He's not like you and I are. Whenever people slander, that's what they're trying to cause is division. That's the reason why whenever we come together and we come closer to God, we can fight it. The next thing here in Scripture, it says, and he pays no attention to you. Now they're really lying. Think about that. One of the things that Daniel was known for is taking the rules that the king gave him, implementing them in a province, and it working. Holding people accountable for what now. At the point that it crossed the line between his relationship and God, he had no more of that. But anytime anytime the king asked him to do something, he was going to do it. But they come at Darius from a different way and they say, he doesn't even pay any attention to you. Wait a second, the reason why Daniel was promoted to all the positions that he was promoted to is because he got it done and he got it done right without corruption and without disobedience. And these guys had issues with that. The reason why they were slandering is because they lived in corruption. They wanted the easy way out. We want the shortcut. And what I found out is the shortcut is never the shortcut. Anybody been lost before? I'm taking a shortcut two hours later. You arrive where you're supposed to be an hour ago. Yes, I have too. My wife loves it, okay? My wife loves it. 
Shortcuts are never shortcut, and the easy way always wind up costing you more than you want to pay. I don't even want to get started on that on some of my projects. Oh, Lee. I'm going to do this because it's cheaper. And now I buy the same product 16 times because it breaks. And it's not cheaper, and it's more frustrating. But here he goes. He says, they don't pay any attention to you, and they're slandering, and they're lying. And that's not it. And then finally, O king, on the injunction you have signed. And whenever people try to slander, they try. Now, remember, you don't stand for this. That's what they were looking at Darius and saying, hey, you're not like these other guys. Remember, you don't stand for this. Remember, you wrote this down, and you got to be who you are. And all these things will try to separate us from what God is trying to do, but Daniel keeps his head. He still wants to be effective. I mean, and this is not something that just happens whenever he's 15 years old or 20 years old or 40 years old or 60 years old, but we look across his life and we see that God has used him and he's been the same effective, influential person in culture. And we see the same things that we study about him whenever he was 15 or 16 have just improved by the time he's 80. And he learns how to go with it. And he learns how to fight culture in a sense that God can use him. And he understands that. So people will slander, and these are the things that we have got to own. But it doesn't, listen, this is the hardest part about it. It doesn't give us any right to act however we want to. We have to be willing to search for the answer. There's a golfer, a pro golfer was teaching a young man how to golf. And he was up there, and he started out with this young man, and he was telling him, okay, your club face is open. That's the reason why you're slicing it, or your, your club face is in. That's the reason why you're hooking it. You're doing all these things. And soon, as he began to talk to this young golfer, the young golfer started interrupting the pro. So he's trying to give him instructions on what to do, and the young golfer looked at him like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I'm, I'm doing this wrong. And pretty quick, the pro golfer just looked at him and started nodding. Now, the interesting thing is there was a watcher over here watching this practice happen the whole time. And the watcher finally got up after the session was over and went up to that pro golfer that was seasoned and said, why would you go from telling somebody to do something just to nodding? And he said this. He said, because I found out I can't sell anybody answers who's looking for simply an echo. And we don't want to look for echoes. We want to know what the Word of God says. We want to know what the Word of God says in our life that we don't, we don't make up things about it or anything like that. Amen? Yeah, I didn't tell that story already, did I? Okay. Okay, I hope I didn't. Hey, man, sugar and coffee, guys. I'm telling you. I'm not a two hours of sleep, sugar and coffee, man. I'm telling you, okay? Okay, now let's move on to some more positive stuff here, okay? More positive stuff. We know that those things are going to happen, and we have to position ourselves. But Daniel had some very interesting things. First thing that he had, Daniel chapter 6, verse 3, because an excellent spirit was on him and in him. Daniel had the spirit of excellence about him. And you and I, to be effective, to be good with different, we have to have a spirit of excellence inside of us. That whatever we do for God, we're going to do it to the best of our ability. We're going to be passionate about it. We're going to seek God about it. And we're going to do what he says. That's what really distinguished him, is he would go into an era and where other people were corrupt, where other people wanted to take these shortcuts and do these things. He said, no, I'm going to do it with an excellent spirit. And that's one of the hardest things, because excellence already already means effort but he said listen I'm going to put the effort forth and I'm going to go in with an excellent spirit now this wasn't just something that he manufactured he allowed the spirit of God to be inside of him he allowed the spirit of God to show him and guide him and direct him but from that people would look at him and say there's nobody else and he has an excellent spirit 
And for you and I, as we influence our culture, as we do the things that God's called us to do, then we must have that spirit of excellence inside of us, saying there's no, nothing that I won't stop from doing this to the best of my ability. No matter what the cost is, no matter what the energy cost is or the labor cost, God, I'm gonna do what you've called me to do. The next thing that we see with Daniel is he had integrity. He had integrity. Daniel chapter six, verse four. To find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. This is important because what they begin to look at is they begin to look at everything against him. Is there corruption in his life? Does he have some skeletons in the closet? Is he doing some things he doesn't need to do? But Daniel was such a man of integrity that they could not find any of that. And if you and I are going to continue to be effective in our culture and be good with different, we have to stand up and say, I will do things with integrity. When people look at my life, they will look at my life and be as close to Christ and as blameless as I can be. And here they're looking. They're looking specifically. What are they doing? What, what, what could he be doing that we could pin against him? Yet they found nothing because he's good with different. I'm going to do it the long way. I'm going to do it the hard way. I'm going to do it with expectation. Now, this is the thing about integrity. Integrity, whenever we decide to do it, and the reason why it's important is because it makes us reliable. We become better we become confident. Whenever we go into a situation, we know that there's nothing that we're trying to hide. There's nothing that we haven't been doing, so God can use us, and it'll build our confidence. But at the same time, we know what we're saying, and the Holy Spirit using us, we know that he has the freedom because we don't have sin or we don't have things hidden away. We go in with integrity. And Daniel was a man of integrity all the way up until he passed away. Daniel continues here. We see Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, because he was faithful with no error or fault was found in him. He just had a faithfulness about him. This is the thing. Now, we see that integrity, is there anything against him? No. Now, faithfulness, is there anything inside of him? Is he really who he says he is when he's in the dark? And that's the incredible thing about Daniel. He didn't go back to his house and open up the windows to pray so he could say, look at me and pray. He said, listen, this is how I do it, and I'm not going to not do it because culture doesn't want me to do it. I'm not going to react out of fear. I'm not going to react out of any other thing than service to God. I've prayed three times a day. I'm going to continue to pray three times a day. And it's going to cost him. But it was faithfulness. God's called you to faithfulness. Whatever he's called you to do, you keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah, there's laws, there's situations, people talking about you, people bringing up maybe your past and things that are very difficult, but you keep being faithful in the things that God told you to be faithful in, and he will use you in a countercultural way. That way you can have influence. But there's a faithfulness that he must find. And sometimes because of embarrassment and shame, maybe we have a position. There's a, a plethora of reasons why we would push away from that, but we can't. No, I'm going to be faithful. Listen, we're all not perfect. We all have flaws in our life. That is no reason to quit. That is no reason to back off and say, I can't do it anymore. No, we continue to be faithful faithful we continue to do what we know that God has called us to do and that's really the reason why he was so effective because whether he's 20 60 or 80 he was always found faithful in the sight of God it wasn't about the gifts it wasn't about the positions it wasn't about any of that it was about what God has called me to do finally the thing that we know is a prayer life Daniel had an amazing prayer life Daniel had an amazing Daniel chapter 6 verse 10 he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks, to, thanks before his God. It's that situation that we see that he's, he has this prayer life that's steady over and over and over, and he was who he said he was. Whenever the Great Wall of China was built, of course it kept out invaders. 
But despite the massiveness of the wall, despite the thickness, despite nobody could really climb over it or do any of those things, China was still invaded three different times. And the way that China was invaded is they didn't go over the wall, they didn't go through the wall, and they didn't go under the wall. They bribed somebody at the gate and let the whole army in. They were so concerned about the integrity of the physical nature of the wall that they forgot to put integrity into their soldiers. We can get so concerned on everything around us. God, am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? That I forget to say, God, is my heart in the right position? Am I doing what you said? Paul Bunyan, or not Paul Bunyan. Paul Bunyan. (laughs) John Bunyan, he's a better preacher. Paul Bunyan just carried an ax. Now you laugh. Thanks a lot, guys. Now you laugh. John Bunyan said this, it's better to go in with a heart that's empty and be centered on God than a heart full of words with no heart in them. Whenever I go into my prayer life, whenever I go into my prayer closet, sometimes we don't know what to say, do we? But all I, do, all I know is that my heart is in the right position to be used by you, God. I know that I'm in the right place and you're gonna speak into my life. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. I really don't know what's going on. It's better that way than to go into prayer life and begin to just rattle off all these words and none of them are from our heart, but man, we've checked it off the list. Daniel didn't do that. He was praying for stuff that we needed help, that, that we can see. I need, I need your help today. You can't tell me that he didn't go in, know that the decree was being wrote, which is what it said. As soon as the document was signed, he went to his house to pray. He knew what the consequences were. And you can't tell me that some of his prayer life wasn't, God, I know what I'm getting into here, but you're still more important. Now, as we look back at verse 37, or chapter 37 of Psalms, we see that does God really step into our life? Daniel 6 and chapter 16. Then the king commanded Daniel, and he was brought into the den of lions, and, he was de- and, it, and the king declared, May God, whom you serve, continually deliver you. And of course, we know the story. God did deliver him. An angel came and closed the mouth, mouths of the lions, and he was brought back up from the den the next day. Not a scratch on him. Darius, who went back to his palace, didn't want any entertainment. It says that he just fasted and really worried about Daniel. And as soon as daybreak, he ran to the, do- to the den of the lions and said, Daniel, are you there? And that's whenever Daniel answered back and said, yes, I'm here. God spared my life. Daniel 6 and 24. And the king commanded all the men who had maliciously accused Daniel and were bought and cast into the, li- to the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives... And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones into pieces. We don't have to do the fight, and God does the fighting for us. If we'll do the things that is necessary to be what God has called us to be in the culture, then whenever it's our time to stand trial, and it may look like a lion's den, it may look like something extremely scary that you've never faced. If we don't hide stuff, if we walk in integrity, if we say, God, I'm going to be as honest and as open as I can, then we know that God, when we stand on trial, will fight our battles. It doesn't mean it's not, we're not going to be lowered into the den. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be in a place that we've never been. But what we can bank on is that God has our back. Psalms 37, 32, and 33. The wicked watches for the righteousness and seeks to be, put him to death. The Lord will not abandon him to his power or let them be condemned when he is brought to trial. God, how do we be good with different We do the things that we've studied about Daniel and say, God, I'm going to do the best that I can so that I can be distinguished, not for my glory, but for your glory. Not for what I can do, but God, for what you can do through me so that I can be effective in the generation that you've called me to be. Let's bow our heads. 
We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.